Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with uh, Octopus Diving Jamesy and uh, Long Hose Brando. Mm. I don't know. That's uh, I think a lot of guys <laughs> like to have that nickname. And Brando, last week we were talking about that ghastly airshare. Yeah, that turns deadly. Ghastly. Did you like that? The ghastly gas share. Did you like that title? Oh, I loved it. I loved I it. That, was, that was a great title. I try to get creative with my titles and my descriptions there at the Great Dive Podcast website. But this week we're going to go right to the octopus alternative, which is what what that whole article that we were talking about. Good old Frank and Gary on their on their terrible dive. <laughs> I, I, uh, I haven't heard the, from the, Gary, my neighbor, yet. But I'm 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 curious if he's. He's like, why did you make me having an affair with a guy having named Frank? You know, like that. No, that wasn't you, Gary. You were just a shout out, Gary and Denise, my my great neighbors next door down in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Gary and Frank. But we started off talking about, you know, the the inherent issues that the octopus has. Versus the inherent issues, really, where this article was was the the problem with just doing the buddy breathing, yeah, which really came from the inherent issues of I'm scuba diving, you know, <laughs> with, without with, with nothing. nothing to give, and my only alternative is to shoot to the surface. Right. This article now is going to start looking at the benefits of the octopus, but keep in mind we're talking this is you know the mid 1970s. Right. And then through the 1980s, the 90s, you would start to get all these, I don't know, call them crazy ideas well, better for out-of-air situations. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's how evolution works, different... isn't it? I mean, mutations. I mean, the physical evolution works the same way as there's mutations. Some are, are crazy that don't work, and some fit the niche. And uh, they work, and so hopefully those going and hopefully that's what we did with out of gas well you know you and i both are strong proponents and have been for decades now of the idea of breathing the long hose donating the long hose for a multiple you know for a multitude of reasons that we're definitely going to get into you know as as we go through this right Um, and and how that logic stems and is built from an end game scenario and scales back to day one of scuba class whereas still if you take a traditional open water program today you're going to go into into class and they're going to go well you, you need to have an alternate air source true there's five there's five different things you can do in a running low on or out of air you try to do a normal ascent do your use an alternate if it's available and ready if a buddy's not close by you can always control the emergency swimming ascent there's this thing called buddy breathing we don't really like to talk about very much. And last case scenario, you can ditch your weights and just rock it to the surface in a one last Hail Mary attempt to get up there. You can use any kind of alternate air source you want. You just have to have one. Yeah. Octopus, short octopus, long octopus, air McDoodle, pony bottle, spare air, long hose. You choose. Uh, you, Toa, Toa Dive Master, you know, uh, next to you. Well, you, gotta, <laughs> you, you, you just got to have something. Toa Dive Master, okay. Clip a Dive Master off on your hip. A hip clip Dive Master. In 1974, Brando, 
the year for which we have the latest scuba accident statistics. Again, this, uh, this article was written in 1976. Situations like this were enacted at least 11 times in the United States. In many, many other instances, either the buddy of the victim did not, or more importantly, could not offer proper help. Dr. John McAniff, the man who compiles the underwater fatality statistics report for the University of Rhode Island, is probably the most familiar with the dynamics of what happens during an underwater accident. He recently remarked, the buddy breathing system unqualitatively does not work. Whoa. That's a pretty, like, blanket... Uh, absolute statement. <laughs> well, again, like so, I, I made the analogy last week about if you grab a hammer by the claw, right, and <laughs> try to start building a deck, right? Yeah, you you might come up with the assumption that hammer. the claw <laughs> hammer <Does> unqualitatively. <laughs> does not work. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there you go. Although that 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 uh that absolute statement is rarely true. There's rarely any absolutes. There are never any absolutes <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's a joke. You didn't even <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> I never use absolutes. You always <laughs> use <laughs> I never use absolutes. We could, we could. Have, this is the arguments that my wife and I have right here. This is it. <laughs> I think I can show you in 317 episodes proof positive <laughs> that you always use. It. But yeah, that's a pretty absolute so, statement, and you're right. That's a great analogy. Yeah, an old, and I get where Doctor John McAniff's coming from in 1974. Right, all you've got is. We have to sh- we have to buddy breathe and share this one second stage to get up, and it's an absolute clusterfuck. If it's not practiced, correct. If you don't have ah, control of buoyancy, go. if you don't have control of yourself, if your equipment is malfunctioning, if you've uh, if there's a, a bunch of qualitative ifs there that yeah that satisfies Dr. John's statement. Yeah, if blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So the qualitativeness exactly. Is really what's on issue, but but for the, for another thirty years after this article, forty years after this yeah. article, fifty years after this article, fifty-two years, they're, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna sit they're, they're gonna sit and still argue, yeah, an equipment solution to the problem that they know right now. You know, we are looking at, I guess, in hindsight of knowing right now right. what the real issue here yeah. is. It's not it's not that. Using and sharing the one second stage is the issue. It's that the two divers don't have control of themselves yet. Well, thank you. And and so for the same reasons the the buddy breathing doesn't work in many situations, neither will the octo and neither will your air McDoodle and neither will even the seven foot hose. None of the the equipment solutions to your issue will work if you don't have the skill of diving under your belt. I think uh Okay. I think I, I, tune I, in next sun, week, the, folks. It was the, <laughs> the the sun just came out. <laughs> the clo- the clouds parted. It was cloudy and it was cloudy and gloomy here this morning. Now the sun is shining in my eyes. 
I, I hope I didn't. I know a lot of times I skip a lot of shit, and in the first five minutes, I'm at the end of the article already, and where we want to be concluding. I hope I haven't ruined it. I hope there's still a bunch of material we can go through. Occupy, yeah, 40 more minutes. Let's see if we can stretch this into three or four episodes. That way it sounds, uh, sounds remarkable again at the end. Yeah. Dr. McAniff firmly believes that any circumstance in which the mouthpiece is removed creates a potentially hazardous situation. Buddy breathing, he points out, is an extremely complex motor skill that requires a considerable amount of overlearning before it becomes automatic. Additional studies by Dr. Glenn Eggstrom at UCLA indicate that the skill, once acquired, deteriorates rapidly unless practiced regularly hmm. he sounds like he's on the board of education for one of these big agencies <laughs> listen listen this skill will need practice we need to find something where we don't need to do that come on we're not selling practice folks we're selling the ability for people to buy equipment this lack of practice is probably the number one reason why buddy breathing attempts fail during emergencies. Combine lack of practice and the difference in training methods and emphasis of the various certification agencies, non-adherence to the buddy system, the difficulty in maintaining buoyancy and operating a manual buoyancy device while buddy breathing, and the perceptual narrowing that occurs in panic divers gives you just about the perfect combination needed to blow an emergency situation. I love the way you ramped up the volume on your voice there. It's pretty good. The first time you see the cold body of a former dive buddy lying on the deck of a boat or the beach. With vomit spewing from his orifices. (laughs) The smell of his empty bowels. Do they go into kind of the detail of a dead guy? (laughs) Will make you realize that something is seriously wrong in the way we have approached emergency out of air situations. Well, you got the last part right. So this is in 1974. They knew that the issue is not going to be purchased <laughs> in order to get a fix. Or did they? They know they said, that it's a training situation. Yeah, but but they're going to no well, their their that, their idea well, is we know it's a training situation which can never be fixed because that level of diver is not there they're just not going to put the time in so they're they're going to try to come up with an equipment solution i mean correct me well, if the, i'm wrong the the journalist jim hall that wrote this article yeah. clearly spelled that out the editor, Paul Zamoulis, who <laughs> sent, sent this article to publication, uh-huh. knew it in the 1970s, right? And I would agree with you that what would happen with these certification agencies that he's talking about, uh, I would agree. It, it's, it's what he's saying right there is a lack of practice. There's differences in all the different possible training methods that you could have. Uh, there's a non-adherence to the buddy system that's allowed to go through the system and, and perpetuate itself throughout training. Uh, a, a, a lack of buoyancy control and maintaining buddy awareness. When when the uh, section on buddy diving, team diving, consists of a sentence that says, stay with your buddy. Well, 
really, I guess we could condense the entire fucking education system down to maybe eight, eight to 12 sentences if we're going to go with that. And then there you go. Here's your C card. I mean, you, you have to go into, okay, just for example, the staying with the buddy part. There's more to it that takes practice and that takes teaching and mentoring and, and learning how to stay as a buddy team underwater, especially in, you know, a lot of folks don't understand like the difference between staying with someone on the surface in a two-dimensional world with almost unlimited visibility, right, versus going in a three-dimensional world with extremely limited visibility most of the time. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you look at like a martial arts reference of, you know, day one of your karate school or whatever you go go <laughs> karate. to. <laughs> karate. Karate. Uh, you know, lesson one, don't get punched in the face. <laughs> hey, can we, <laughs> you now know, you're yeah. a, a black belt. <laughs> here's, here's, your, here's your black belt. But the, well, that that's the scuba part, right? Because in mm-hmm. in a month, you're a master scuba diver. Whoa! And the, the 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 rule is don't get punched in the face. But in in martial arts training, I mean, you you train for years and years and years, every single week for years and years and years. And the lesson is still at that black belt level: don't get, don't punched, get punched in the face. And you still work on that very basic, very beginning thing. But in scuba, we, we, we come up with you can buy your way out of any problem that you're going to have underwater. Scuba is so awesome and so safe. You don't need to work. You don't need to practice. You don't need to train. You can even buy your way into becoming, making it a career. <laughs> right? No, agreed. That's, that's a, great, a great analogy there. Again, another good one, Jamesy. Jim Hall says, why? The answer is shockingly simple. Resistance to change among our instructors. Buddy breathing and free ascents are still being taught as the only alternatives to out-of-air situations. But when asked, most instructors will admit that the octopus rig would make some emergencies much easier to handle. A few even have one themselves. Yet most students still get certified without even the most fundamental familiarization of the octopus rig. The most vocal instructor opponents to the use of the octopus rig are the proponents of the equipment rip-off philosophy. They see the octopus as just another way to fatten someone's pocket or another gimmick foisted on America's innocent diving population. Foisted upon us. They're innocent. Now, I, I think that the people that are referencing this are probably in the, 19, in the mid-1970s Probably some of the old timers that had been at the game for 20 years already who are looking at the same situation that we're looking at is when scuba was brought as a mass market thing of, of shortening the, the class length at the time, trying to get everybody, trying to make everybody a diver. They're looking at it as, yeah, like, you know what we had to do in 1958 yeah. to get certified? Well, they, they went out and surveyed and said, hey, what keeps you from going into scuba? It takes too long. Well, that keeps you from going into any – why don't you become a doctor? It takes so long. Well, let's – how about if we make the class real easy? <laughs> That's the same mentality. I mean, it takes too long. It costs too much. Well, we got this really cheap shit here. What about that? 
Well, hey, that's great. What about the class? You can do it one weekend. Hey, what about a Groupon for the class? Ninety bucks for the whole family. My ear, my ears hurt. I can't learn to scuba dive. Who and who? Well, yeah. Oh, oh, we oh, got here, these. Put these. Put these new plugs in. There. I, I mean, honestly, that's the mentality. It comes from it's another knee jerk reaction from a poll of why you're not doing something. I guess my biggest thing is not everybody needs to scuba dive. Just like not everybody needs to do any. Name anything. Not everybody is suited for it, nor do they have the time, ability, or inclination to pursue those. My mommy said I can do anything I want to do. And I'll get a first place trophy for it, (laughs) along with the other 12 people in the class. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Like, being like, if I got certified back in 1958 and really, really got into diving and went through that long ass multi month training program and, and really really learned to be an attentive diver that was you know aware of himself aware of his surroundings you're on an ex- to the point where you're like you're like yeah well of course you can't run out of gas you have to know your gas at all times and yes if the <laughs> shit really hits the fan you could do this buddy breathing right you'll be fine that's that's really all i need you know I, I got my shit together that much attention you'd be on a lot of riddling these days because it's just not there um, <laughs> spoken like a true person who went through the 1958 class. Right? But uh, no, you, I mean, you're exactly right. And again, I go back to it's the marketing, the pollsters and everything and a knee-jerk reaction to the data as opposed to re- really looking at the data and saying, well, let's look past next week's profits and let's look into the future and and." Let's try to maintain a, a population of divers that are adequate at diving, right, skilled, and want to dive and, um, <laughs> and not leaving the sport in droves all the time, which will eventually cause people to not even pursue it. So, I mean, eventually you end up shooting your, yourself in the foot, as we see now uh, in the market. I, I get it, though. I mean, you, well, yeah, you, you do want numbers, and you want to sell equipment, and you want – in the way you sell equipment, logic would tell you more people diving equals more people buying equipment. But if you make it so dumbed down and the people don't feel comfortable diving, they're not going to buy the equipment. As a matter of fact, it'll, word will get out, don't do it. It's just – it's not worth it. My point of view. My absolute. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I'm, always I'm, have this I'm, point of view in my absolutist world. But <laughs> in, in addition to this, we have the issue of all of the alternatives that are going to evolve, right? right? Because where we're at right now in the mid '70s, in this article, right, the octopus is going to come as like a gift from God. Well, it's going to solve all all of these problems, and the training agencies are going to have to you know, change their game to include this in the curriculum because this is going to be the new answer. We have to have this. Mm -hmm. And then this is going to come out and then somebody's going to go, well, what about about we put the octopus on the BCD inflator? What about we feed the tuna to the tuna fish? Call Starkist. The the, the mayo. The The mayo. mayo. Oh, feed the tuna to the... I'm talking about cannibal tunas, you (laughs) dumbasses. No. Hey Brando, are you watching the uh, the, the playoffs? 
<laughs> just uh, on, on, on a side note, you know, just to, just to calm calm the situation down here a little bit. I know we're getting a little heated up on this. These octopus talk really gets us going. Just so. like people during the playoffs, isn't it? Patty and I were up at the pub the other day. The the hockey game was on. Forget about it. You talk about people getting getting worked up about whether to use an octopus or bunny <laughs> bean. Man, <laughs> the Maple Leafs were on. Oh yeah, well I know people can get a little little tuned up over their their sports ball teams. I get it. That's right, people. The playoffs are here, and your friends at Manscaped are too. They're making sure your balls are as kissable as the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, now, I don't know if you're an NBA guy or an NHL guy, but. You're going to want to give your Nuggets the best clippers out there, people, to rid them of pubes and help them see the summer sun. Don't let your little devils go wild. You need to start using that lawnmower 4.0 and get your boys as smooth as jazz. Smooth as jazz. Nice. I thought they were going to say smooth as ice, but smooth as jazz, it's, that's better, I think. Smooth you can jazz. Have the ball. To, hey, speaking of which, the, the, the very idea of smooth jazz Right, smooth jazz. You like yeah, smooth jazz, yeah, yeah. but the very idea of it infers that there must be rough jazz. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> I I say this to my wife all That's, the time. She does. She doesn't laugh. It's it's like one of the many things that I point out of the absurdity in the world. That I get to just. I don't get the chuckles like I get from you, and that's why I like hanging around you. I get more of a. Just why? Why? Well, Brando, you can have the balls of kings by going to manscaped.com, or you can try to tickle your trumpet like Kenny G over at manscaped.com. Use the code TGDP for uh, you know 20% off and free shipping. Kenny G is smooth, baby. Smooth. If you're going to have your trumpet tickled, I guess Kenny G would be the one you'd want to do it. He's the one you want to do it. Absolutely. There you go, everybody. Get 20% off free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping, Brando, with the code TGDP. Hey, it's playoff season. Pick a winner, hit the playoff push, and use Manscaped to shave your bush. <laughs> don't forget the beard products, too. Because Yeah, don't forget I'm those big beard fan. products. Big fan. That kit's got the ball and the shampoo and the conditioner and the oils, too, that you need to keep presentable just so you look like Brando, smooth and <laughs> rocking and ready to go, comfortable through the push, and the trimmer you need when it's finally time for a little bit of a cleanup and cut. And you smell great. I'm only good for maybe one play on, play on the smooth nugget stuff. <laughs> Let's put these myths to rest once and for all, Jim says. Cost is a poor argument. The $65 or so that you spend to modify your regulator will explain the dangers in backyard modifications. It's expensive, but a life is priceless. 65 bucks for an octopus back in the day, like a, getting a new second stage added with the hose, and then back then you probably needed to buy a, a an adapter so you could, you know, get an extra port out of right. your first stage, you know? 
Thinking that you'll never run out of air or that when you do, you will be able to make an easy, free ascent or that your dive buddy will be competent at buddy breathing is dangerous. Not spending the money because you see it as an investment in someone else's safety is not only selfish, it is incredibly short-sighted. The purchase of an octopus rig is as much for your own safety as it is for whomever you're diving with. Buddy breathing struggles underwater often result in double deaths and not infrequently result in the death of the rescuer. Remember that the skill you acquired sitting on the bottom of your dive school's pool may have to be put to work in murky, rough, and deep water with a near berserk companion. <laughs> berserk. I like that they uh, use the word berserk. You don't see that too often. You don't get that written up in your <laughs> latest issue of Sport Diver magazine in 2023. You rarely see the word berserk. berserk. Yeah. It usually implies complete pandemonium. Now, I get the perspective of where he's going in this article in 1974 of like, listen, people, we got to put our brains together and we have to realize the value of what the octopus rig is going to bring to diving safety. But if we, you know, use the, the, the benefit of hindsight that we have today, you know, we look at a lot of issues that the, that the octopus rig didn't fix the buddy breathing problem. You still had the same real issue, uh, the real underlying issue, which is it's a skill issue, not a, not an equipment issue necessarily. I mean, equipment e plays a port, an important role, but there's a skill involved with sharing gas and coming up. And even if we go, listen, uh, you know, James and Brando keep saying that the, the long hose and necklace is the smart way to go because they took a cave diving class and they think everything <laughs> that uh, they ever needed to know about scuba diving, they learned yeah. in a cave diving class, right? And you could go, well, the, the benefit that we see there is it's, it's a, a scalable system. Right. You don't have to keep changing your out-of-air idea. So it makes it a little bit better. It increases your odds a little bit in the long run. But just like I've said before, you know, just because you got a black belt doesn't mean you, you can't get your ass, ass kicked, kicked out right. on the street. You know what I mean? It's just, it just it increases your odds a little bit because it, you've got the training, you've got the consistency, you've got the practice in it. But it doesn't fix it completely. There is no equipment purchase it all comes back to what you were just saying a minute ago. Yeah, it's a skill issue. Um, but how can we make the skill issue, how can we make that disappear mi with minimal, with the minimal amount of investment into it? In, in other words, we've got, yes, equipment plays a major role in it, but it doesn't solve the entire problem, nor does it like solve the problem at all, really. So what is the best choice for equipment in that particular situation, what do I want? What do I need, really? What do I want to have? What would be ideal in an out-of-gas situation that works in every conceivable, and the key word there is conceivable, because, yeah, there, you can't conceive everything, but in the conceivable situations, what would I love to have? What would be ideal? I mean, that's working it back. And this is the core of the issue that, what they established here in the late 70s that really became the standard for the next half a century, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that right now we're trying to have the discussion again. I mean, this is like really like the last time a major shift in this 
air sharing situation was really addressed. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, you, know, I agree. you know where I'm yeah. going with that? Yeah, and I, I agree. It was the last time, and again, and the issue that they're making is, or they're they're thinking from living in the moment rather than what you were saying a moment ago mm-hmm. of like. Look at it from the worst case scenario. What do I want? They're thinking, hey, we've got this scuba business. We're selling scuba equipment. We have a scuba agency. <laughs> the industry, the scuba industry is built. Let's not fuck it all up by people dying. We got to have a good thing to sell them so that we can mitigate this air out of air situation. We need a better product to have. Right. Rather than nobody ever took the time to step back and go, let's take a deep breath. And rethink this whole thing. It's it kept being add 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 add. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's uh, it solves it kills two birds with one stone. Hopefully, in their mind, it it solves the problem of the out of gas and increases the fat wallets in their back pocket at the very same time. It's amazing. Uh, they should work in the government. Um, except the government really doesn't care if it solves the out of gas situation. Um, the, yeah, and the, uh, I mean, the other short sightedness of it that I, I, I'm repeating myself a little bit is it, it's not scalable. You, you said it, you know, you need something that's scalable. You need something that uh, you don't have to relearn because when you're relearning things or needing to keep compartmentalized, uh, procedures in your mind for example i'm in this environment i need to do this in a gas share i'm in this environment i'm in different equipment i need to do this in a gas share and and every time you switch environments or switch tight you know the diving intensity if you want to call it you've got to think where am i what do i got to do and as we all know in a real out of gas situation the thinking process kind of kind of gets diminished if not completely thrown out the window and this is the issue that Frank and Gary had right. last week. Yeah. Right. That led to the fatality, right? It's mm-hmm. when it doesn't matter what you use for equipment, when everything's all happy and rosy and wonderful <laughs> and everything's going just how yeah. you envisioned it to go. The whole reason of having the emergency situation squared away is for when the shit hits the fan and and it's an emergency and you're not thinking clearly anymore because you can't sit there and process it. It just has to come out of you. You can't have the confusion of routing, securing, Mm -hmm. detaching, donate. Like, Like those can't be questions anymore. And regardless of the system you buy, it's not just the purchase of that piece that's going to fix the core of the problem <laughs> that led to the fatality. As we we used to see, especially, you know, I worked doing the GUE DIR workshops before they were a class. And you, you would uh, go to various places in the world slash country and, and run a workshop where people bought the long hose, thought, I'm golden, I've got this. And then when we, we run them through a couple of gas share situations – the hilarity ensues, really, because you need to learn how to handle a long. The long hose isn't the almighty answer to all the pro- the problems. Like you know, neither is the octo. Neither are any of these. Like you, we keep saying, yeah, exactly. Neither is a backplate and wing. No, fuck no. Neither is jet fins. Ne- neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because you have that gear 
doesn't mean anything. Neither is now, a dry there's reason. <laughs> Neither is a goddamn dry <laughs> Absolutely, because... <laughs> what happens with the dry snorkels? People get sold. To, I'll, I'll I'll take that one. People get sold to dry snorkel, and they think, well, now I don't ever have to know how to clear a snorkel. False. Yes. Until yeah. until you get a leak in your dry snorkel, and now you have no idea how to clear yeah. a snorkel at all. You want to see a real choking diver on the surface, like on the surface yeah. choking that could lead to a major problem give them the false sense of a dry snorkel is so perfect that they never have to clear it and then they actually have to clear it one day holy shit is that gonna turn into so a you're saying fuck? we need to learn how to clear a snorkel even if we have a dry snorkel so why have a motherfucking dry snorkel not just a goddamn tube with a nice comfortable mouthpiece on your goddamn face that you use for diving. Okay. Uh, I agree. It's my you, anger about the no, snorkel I, coming no, out. <laughs> now, listen. Do I do I think that uh, they should sell dry snorkels? Of course. Go sell for what it. you like, want. I, if I was yeah. taking my mom snorkeling for 20 minutes, you know, uh, on a family cruise that she bought the, all the kids to have the kids all together. I'm, yeah, here, mom, take a dry snorkel. You'll be fine. You're gonna you're gonna flop around looking at fish the for valve ten minutes. Fold. You, you, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to do any training. But my problem always is is why does that level of training become the standard for everything for everybody? Because I I have to believe just like many things is it's it's time and effort. They they want no time and no effort to be put forth into it because when you take a poll. Everyone's going to say, I don't have time to do that. But yeah, because that's our go-to excuse for everything. I, We have limited time. Hey, we have limited time on the fucking planet. I don't have time to do every fucking thing in the goddamn universe. I, I have to choose. Why don't I choose things and try to do them well? So develop some skills, put time and effort into it, and actually enjoy that activity versus what they're trying to sell in the regular class. 99 bucks. Come on in. You're in and out of here. We can do it in a weekend. You're certified, locked and loaded, and just buy this gear. It's got a fucking ruby in it. It's got a ruby in it. How can you die with Rubies a ruby? never fail. <laughs> we'll take off a hose with this McDoodle, and you got a dry snorkel. Your split fins, they're super easy to use. That'll be $10,000, and you walk out the door, and you hate the fucking experience. But, you know, when, you, when I meet you at a party and your friend says, oh, they're a diver. You want to talk to them? I'll have the utmost respect for you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is, is, is anybody still listening? Hello? Anybody, is anybody out there? I'm still? hoping eBay is flooded with fucking dry snorkel split fins and ruby goddamn Ugh. regulators. <laughs> All right. Okay, listener, uh, we'll, <laughs> let me, uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap this episode up here in just a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> the solution, Jim says, to the octopus rig controversy must lie with the instructional agencies. They have been slow to take leadership in this matter and develop formal training standards for use of the octopus rig in their curriculums. There exists no uniform standards of procedure or location of the device. Some agencies, notably PADI and NASDS, are moving in the right direction. In a recent issue of the Undersea Journal, PADI changed its standards for open water training as follows. Quote, 
at depths greater than 30 feet. Special equipment for a loss of air situation is strongly recommended. This equipment includes an octopus arrangement on each regulator. What? <laughs> so, I, I th- so what they're saying is, like, at the time, mm-hmm. there was no standard. Right. And none of the and the agencies were, and I, I guess where you could take this is how we are now. There is no standard on on the octopus anymore, right? Patty was one of the first ones to say, "Hey, we need the octopus. We're we're making the change." Right. But then you know, Patty also is the same agency that says, "Oh, you're taking a tech class. You could take any configuration you want." <laughs> True. True. You, yeah. You know? Yeah. In a way, I, I guess that's what he's saying, right? Because he's like. But at the moment, they said, at depths greater than 30 feet, special equipment for loss of air is strongly recommended. This includes an octopus arrangement on each regulator. So here's the first time, Brandel, that they're actually saying we need something if we're going to keep. I guess I would say it. I think what they're realizing is, hey, if we're going to teach the world to dive, we better have this extra piece of equipment on there. Yeah. Because clearly they're not getting the time in the water to deal with the problem just via buddy breathing. Exactly. I mean, and I guess that's maybe I'm hoping they they looked at it like, oh, we we just don't have enough time to do that versus let's shorten it. Let's shorten it. And this is an easy fix. But, well, you got to give them some credit for knowing that we have to make it uniform. We have to make uh, make it a requirement. You change that policy, you're going to change the community, and hopefully you're going to make an impact on statistics, which I imagine it did. So, Brando, let me ask you a question. I mean, in a, in a way, we still have this same discussion today. Like As, as equipment continues to evolve and equipment configurations continue to evolve and new stuff comes out, we're always going to have the question of, hey, this could be the save-all <laughs> but is it but is it really i mean no such is it thing. still always i mean like is side mount going to be the new fix right <laughs> is, is the rebreather going to be the new fix or is it in the fundamental training well i think just what you asked right there is is giving us the answer you see you've got all these possibilities for the fix and if you examine each one you'll see that no not not any one of those is a fix and all of them. But I can see both <laughs> valves. They're right here in front of me. Right. There's no fix. There, A, there's no easy fix to life, period. There's no quick, easy fix. You can't run out of air. It rebreathes <laughs> everything. Yeah, but you bring in other. I mean, for everything you do, you bring in more failures or more possible issues, okay? Every single time when you change things up, everything you're going to bring in is going to have risk. I mean, I hate that is an absolute. That's kind of true. I, you, I don't see a possibility of bringing something new in, going into an environment that is hostile to human life, and relying on support equipment with humans, which are fallible. The equipment is fallible. They're made by humans. I mean, even AI is fallible. Everything is fallible. Don't don't believe computers are not fallible. They fucking make mistakes all the time. They're hackable too. They're everything is fallible. That's kind of the beauty of life is you're not guaranteed anything, motherfuckers. So stop trying to put in everything. But you can minimize risk in all of those things with, again, we just keep the, I want to say the correct training, correct practice. 
You know, it's not just training that go out there and receive some, you know, don't get hit in the face training like a martial art thing. You also have to learn, okay, what's the best way not to get hit in the face and how do I stop from getting hit in the face? Well, here's here's one Wait, method. you can't do a weekend black belt, don't get kicked <laughs> class? Well, you can't. <laughs> that makes me a black There's a group on it. I've, I've seen it, but... Uh, I don't know how the quality of that, and I really don't know if they well, can yeah, guarantee that. Well, yeah, because you that. gotta, you have to, you have to, one, you have to learn like some defense techniques. Mm-hmm. You have to learn some some counter attacks, right? And at the, but but the real way that you don't get kicked and the way you don't get punched in the face is by years of training, Mastery. and learning and learning to read the situation yeah. and read the people and read the environment and learn like, like pick up on small tiny little cues that most people would be completely blind to but like pop up as like giant billboards to the trained experienced person and the same thing happens underwater you have to become a master of it you can't you you can't expect to to be great at anything without practicing and without years and years of dedication and years and years of learning from others and putting yourself in different situations you, but I want to dive the Ariskany. YouTube says I can do it. Again, I mean, this is, you have to become, become the, what is it, Leonard, Leonard Cohen or something? If you do not become the ocean, you're going to drown, okay? Ooh, that's beautiful. Well, you, it, it, you have to become, if you want to be foolproof, I mean, that appears to me what they're, they're going to. They're, they're trying to achieve this, I cannot die in the water. It's an absolute. It's probably impossible, and but you can minimize everything by approaching it smartly and uh, coming at it from like like we talk about. You got to come in at it with with a logical system, looking at it with the end in mind. What do I need? What do I want? Should the shit hit the fan? Because it's going to when the shit hits the fan. I want good training. I want skill. Well, and is the answer not to realize that you have to accept the fact that you're playing a dangerous game? It's risk. There's risk. It's risk. There's risk with everything, right? And and you can't buy your way out of it. You have to continue the training and continue your own personal development. And hopefully that makes you a better human being on land as well if you put the long-term time into it. But it also gives you the, the awareness in the water that... You don't need a, a beeping, buzzing, vibrating gadget to tell you danger is there. Like you see it <laughs> yeah. because of your awareness is so open and in tune with the environment that you're in because you've become part of that ocean. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, you bring up another great aspect of this, which is you know the dive computers. The dive computers went are attempting to do, to do the same thing the Octo is, is attempting to do, but with, with DCS versus, you know, drowning because you ran right. out of gas. So the two major risks underwater are running out of gas and, and decompression sickness, bends, because, you know, inert gas in our body. So we try to mitigate those, but you can't eliminate you can't eliminate those risks completely. How can we mitigate them? Well, they came up with the dive computers and using all these algorithms. But again, you are relying solely on an equipment solution to what is a knowledge-slash-skill problem. Buoyancy control coming up on your dive, right? Staying healthy, paying attention to your bottom time, 
All of those things are factors in not getting bent. Uh, if you just pay attention to those, I don't know. I, I've never been bent, at least not knowingly bent. Maybe there's subclinical symptoms I've suffered, but I've never had to take a chamber, chamber ride because of getting bent. I've taken many chamber rides, but not because of being bent. I've never been eaten by a shark, but, but it's not because <laughs> I have. A, it's not because I purchased my anti-shark suit. You've been lucky. That's all. <laughs> You've been lucky because maybe you don't. You maybe to them you're not that tasty. You know, you don't look like a pancake or something to a shark that loves pancakes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's not a great. It's analogy. not because <laughs> it's not because I I purchased my. Uh, uh, shark repellent dry snorkel. That it's definitely now. It could be because uh, using your your uh, manscaped body spray and deodorant and shampoo and all the other good stuff make you smell. Most people don't realize that about that crop reviver <laughs> ball toner repellent. that I use. You know, before I before I uh, pull my speedo up, I give uh-huh. a couple spritzes to the old budgie, and uh, it also works as a shark repellent. I've, That's I've a great selling un, point. Un, it's untested, <laughs> unproven, but uh, I found it to work very well. Uh, these statements are not endorsed by Manscaped Incorporated. <laughs> I look at this this article, and I really enjoy the perspective of it. You know, it's, yeah, but you have to look back in time, right? Of like they needed something. Right, because the number like we look back at that Rhode Island study, and then for the like the kids out there, right? That the report from the University of Rhode Island for the longest time that was like the Dan annual report, that that incident report. You know, it was done there. You know, but nowadays, you know, we look at you know the the Dan report. You know, is looks at all these accidents and these fatalities that occur, and in the in the day, you know, it was a matter of. You know, people couldn't handle the equipment, and that's why they were dying. And, and that's changed over the years. Um, and in many ways, you can sit there and go, okay, yeah, new equipment has really, really helped, you know, uh, uh, lessen the, the likelihood of an equipment-related fatality. And dive computers have really helped people just getting bent in, in many ways. But at the same time, it hasn't fixed it all. Oh, there's no and there's no still fix. there's still that issue there and, and they'll they'll keep going well the numbers get better and better and we can argue the fact that well that's because they're not really all diving anymore that the, you've got a greater population of certified divers versus people actually diving versus yeah the maybe the the rate compared to those overall numbers has decreased right and that's what statistic is so, yeah, but they're still out there, and I would probably argue I see way more near, I don't want to call them near death, but near issues like this This person's going to, you know, I see him pop up to the surface from 40 feet and, and shit like that. Poor buoyancy well, yeah. control, all the, all, the, all the list goes on and on, but all poor skill things and equipment ridiculousness. Literally, in the day, the equipment was a problem because you didn't have a donatable resource because you still had the opportunity for somebody getting low on running out of gas. You didn't have a way to fix that. But we still have that today. But now we've got better equipment. But the things still happen. 
because you know back in the day there there was no (laughs) there wasn't a yeah exactly there there wasn't an equipment solution so the lack of that equipment is why the fatality occurred Mm -hmm. today we've got the equipment solutions but the fatalities and the problems still occur way more on the near misses right right so that it, it looks like well it's just health issues lack of fitness and you know issues is why people are dying today but that doesn't explain all the problems and the near misses and the people that just barely got by and now I'm never going to dive again because I got the living shit scared out of me. Yeah, I mean, we start talking about training that's never been taught to them. Uh, uh, the use the use of that equipment, the so-called mastery in Open Water 101, isn't really mastery. I mean, they, they do it. You know, they do the gas share in, in open water. They do a mass clear in open water 101, and many never do that again, you know. Right, and that's because the equipment today is so good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, everything is so uh, reliable. The the dive computers, yeah, they're fantastic. I mean, the, what they, the information they have, the, the way you can, you know, target everything, it's phenomenal. But there's still a human at the operating end of this machine, the system we're we're talking about. Right. And, and with it, a fucking ego, with a fucking <laughs> can't happen well, to me exactly, mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, they learned in a pool, they got certified in twenty feet of water, and then they're given the whole goddamn ocean. They're mm-hmm. given the whole goddamn world to go dive and explore. What do you expect is gonna happen? Well, yeah. Right there's the wreck. It's only another hundred feet down there. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> how how my my computer will beep? Right. Well, how how bad can it be? That's the issue. Yeah, in my opinion. No, I think I think it is a huge part of it. I don't know if it's the complete issue. Um, only because I don't know if we can contain it unless we just say the issue is really a human approach, like. It's not taken seriously enough in many training situations. It's uh, if it were, the training would be a little bit longer and more intense, and and actually focus on the reality of diving. They they'd use the the real words there, the D word, like you can die doing this. So let's keep that up there in the forefront. And how do we avoid dying? And let's let's talk about how we do that. And and it takes work and practice. And and I'm not talking, you know, the 30-foot dive is that risky. The 30-foot reef dive a couple times a year or once a year, you go out out and practice and you go with an instructor or a competent instructor or competent dive master. Yeah, the the risk is extremely low that anything's going to happen. And and that's what really you're kind of getting certified for in an open water 101 at the current level. I, I would agree with you. And if they came out and said that, uh, we wouldn't have a podcast. Could, you, <laughs> there, there would be no, yeah, there would be no great topic. You could de- delete the last three yes. shows. But like, like we see though, is you get that training, and then the next thing is, here's a hundred feet. Yeah, and then, and then after that, well, is, the argument is no, we don't say that. We say sixty feet, sixty feet max. Yeah, come on, they're humans and they're watching the other divers, and they YouTube will tell them something different. So, right, and they're di- listen if. If I get low on air, you know, my computer's going to beep at me anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, if I get into decompression, my computer's going to beep at me anyway. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's, what's the difference between 30 feet and 130 feet and 200 feet? No, it, 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 it'll do it all for me. 70 feet, 
between. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, people! What did we get? Uh, did we get rambling there? Look out! Well, we're not even done. We're not even done with this article, Brad. I know, I know, because well, the article really, when you dive into it, forgive the pun, you really see that the article con- concerns the industry, the approach to diving, and and really like. Our meat and potatoes of what we would call the meat and potatoes of diving. What's the real deal here? What is diving all about? It's an art. It's a it's a it's a martial art in many respects, and it takes practice and skill. And you need to learn the proper skills. And yes, it's equipment intensive. You have to rely on on life support equipment. But you are really the brains of the life support equipment, and that's the beauty of. That's why it's an art and skill because you're yeah, behind you, it. Yeah, you should be. You should be happy driving the system, right. not letting the system drive you. That and that's what I mean. You're going for the experience and and yeah. being in control. Not if you just want the experience, just watch it on a screen and have somebody yeah. throw water on you or something. You know the fucking meta VR glasses and have them throw water <laughs> and it suspend you. <laughs> I told you when uh, when I first came across this article and I, and I wanted to do it with you. I told you like. Each paragraph yeah. could almost be a whole episode. episode in and of itself, and that's the way this thing's shaping up. I mean, yeah. this is, and it's just going to keep getting juicier, everybody. So you're going to have to stick around for next week. No logbooks again today, Brad. I love it. I'd like a nice long dive. It's been a while since we've, you know. So we're going to load some tissues, baby. <laughs> load those tissues. Load those tissues. Bring your deco gas next week. Are we? Are we coming up next week? You think? Yeah. Well, let, let's. We should probably try. They don't yeah, want yeah, this. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right we should be able to wrap this up so. next week. Yeah. 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 All right. Th- until next week, Jamesy. Um, it's been great. It's been a good one. All right. You. Uh, you get your uh, Kenny G <laughs> record collection out and, uh, and just smooth in the next week. I think you you would probably be more, I mean, I know you like smooth jazz, but you'd probably be into some punk jazz, which would be probably in the genre of what we would call rough jazz, or metal jazz would be rough jazz, wouldn't it? There is a rough, there is a rough jazziness to the Sex Pistols, I guess. There you go. See? Alright, everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, <laughs> boy!